It's never too early to talk football. After all, spring ball is just a little bit away. So on today's episode of the Locked on the Louisville podcast, we're going to talk about how the individual members of the Flyville 23 class will perform next season for the Cardinals. With that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. As always, I want to say thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the show is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. On today's episode of the show, I wanted to uh, go into a little bit of an interesting hypothetical and talk about how the individual members of the Flyville 23 class will perform next season. We'll begin by discussing which players are in line to receive uh, the most immediate playing time. Then in the final two segments, we'll break it down offensively and defensively, going prospect by prospect, talking about what the expectations should be for each player in year one in 2023. So we'll begin with uh, the... Two players, we'll limit it to two, the two players that I believe from the Flyville 23 class are in line for the most playing time this upcoming fall. But first, welcome back. Uh, I do want to say, um, you know, I appreciate your all's patience. I know that the programming schedule has been very, very inconvenient. There weren't any episodes um, over the past week, so I, I do apologize for the lack of activity, but we're back. Um, I will be gone at the end of this upcoming week, but uh, we're going to do our best to get um, a good amount of episodes in before that. So let's get into the show. The two prospects in the Flyville 23 class that, in my opinion, are going to see the most significant playing time this upcoming fall, tight end Jamari Johnson and linebacker Stan Quan Clark. One thing to um, a couple things to focus on. Number one, there are seven early enrollees. Um, those seven are Adonijah Green, Madden Sanker, Pierce Clarkson, Stan Quan Clark, Luke Burgess, William Fowles, and Kataris Hicks. Um, the other eight high school prospects will be on campus. Um, after the spring semester. So just a note of there, the Cardinals finished with the 31st best class in the country. Granted, there were only 18 commits. So honestly, one of the highest, if not the highest rated class by prospect ranking um, in program history. So um, when you look at who's in line for the most playing time right away as a freshman, I think that a couple things need to be focused on. Number one, you have to look at context. You can't just say, well, we're going to go with the two most talented guys or the two highest rated players or the two players with the highest ceilings because in all reality, it's more complex than that. You know, there's more to focus on. Playing time is going to be something to look at. What does the depth chart look like overall for the Cardinals? Um, you know, if you go with the highest rated guys, it would be 
according to 24-7 Sports, Adonijah Green and, Mad- and Madden Sanker. Both of those guys could be playing behind uh, some players right away. So um, that's something to focus on. I think that for Jamari Johnson, for Stanquan Clark, both of these players are very, very talented, obviously, but they also play in a position that it's a lot of confusion right now. There's a lack of clarity. There is not a um, verbatim depth chart. Now, granted, there's probably not going to be one for any of the positions out there. But when you look at the tight end and linebacker positions for the Cardinals, you're looking and saying, well, who's going to step up? Who's going to you know fit into that mold? Who's going to you know, rise to starting level? Um, that those are the main questions. I think for Jamari Johnson, it's pretty simple. I think that I've gone on record multiple times on this show, and I've said that Jamari Johnson has the highest ceiling in this class. I believe it. Um, you're playing multiple positions um, in the California area uh, in high school ball. Jamari Johnson, six foot five or six foot four, six foot five, two hundred seventy pound uh, athlete according to twenty four seven Sports. Um, you know, saw a big ratings jump in the composite as a top 350 player in the top 24-7. He's a top 200, I believe. But a guy that played wide receiver at the high school level, played quarterback at times, but played tight end also, projects as a tight end at the next level. When you look at where Louisville's sitting tight end-wise, you lose Marshawn Ford. You've lost players to the portal, um... You know, Christian Peterson, you've had players that are no longer on the team. Um, so right now, and then you also have players to graduation, so on and so forth. The tight end room is one to where you're going to need to see guys step up. Um, I think Jamari Johnson is obviously, you know, going to come onto campus at the end of the spring semester. So, you know, saying that he's in line for a lot of playing time right away could be seen as a little bit premature. Could be seen as a little bit, um, you know, biased in a sense, you know. But I do think that he is extremely talented. You know, you see freshmen all over the country that are, you know, put into starting positions or, you know, high, um, highly significant positions right away, and they're forced to produce. I think Jamar Johnson could rise into that mix. Now, granted, what's noted is you have to, to understand that things can change. Louisville, it was mentioned, has like seven scholarships remaining to address ahead of next season. There's going to be a wave of players that transfer out after spring ball. So will Louisville look to add a transfer portal tight end? They could. And if they do, that may change this episode. Um, You know, they may change this first segment, but we're not going to play the hypothetical game at this you know, point in time. We're going to focus on what the roster looks like here and now. I think Jamari Johnson, uh, when you look at the current landscape of the tight end room, there's a handful of players that have produced over the past couple seasons, but they haven't necessarily rose to that occasion. I know that it's kind of tough with a passing offense that isn't really designed to be a passing dominant offense as it is now. So we will see how that really fits into that mix. But, um, you know, you're talking about guys that have transferred out um, and then, you know, obviously players moving forward that are on, you know, the roster, Des Melton, um, you know, Sherman, Martin, so on and so forth. I think Jamar Johnson immediately enters this um, tight end room and is going to, you know, right away start competing for starting level 
spots. Um, now, granted, um, I think that in years past, you saw Marshawn Ford used in a multiple um, or multiple different you know positions more as the H back out at wide receiver at times you know as a traditional tight end I think you're going to see Jamar Johnson in a similar role despite it not being the same coaching staff I like how Jeff Brom Brian Brom and company uh utilize tight end play how they um you know utilize it to form mismatches and things of that nature so another prospect that I think is in line to see a lot of playing time is Stan Quan Clark the four-star linebacker I mentioned time and time again how difficult it is I think you know you know, true freshman linebackers to come into the college ranks and immediately be, um, you know, proficient right away because there's so much to learn on that side of the football. There's so much to learn as the, you know, so to speak, quarterback of the defense. Um, you know, you're, you know, put into a position where there's a lot of responsibility. We've seen all across the country, and this isn't always the case, but even highly rated four-star, five-star level linebackers, it takes a couple years to get into the system to really start to um, carve out a role for yourself. So, um, you know, I I think that San Quan Clark, it may be a little bit unfair to put those expectations on him year one that he has to come in and start right away. I'm just thinking that he's going to be put into a position to where he might have to, uh, because of, you know, you lose Monty Montgomery, uh, to Mississippi. Uh, Momo Sonogo is in the NFL draft, uh, Dorian Jones to Cincinnati. So you lose your starting inside linebackers. Um, you know, you have KJ Cloyd, um, Jalen Alderman, TJ Quinn, Jackson Hamilton, some younger guys that have played special teams that have been depth pieces over the past couple years, they have to step up. But at this point in time, I think that this is a position moving forward that Louisville needs to add multiple players at the position to finish out the transfer portal additions because of you know trying not to put so much pressure on a true freshman inside linebacker to uh, you know compete or not to compete, but to produce right away. And I'm not saying that he cannot, but I am saying that it's a very tough position. Um, A lot of responsibility that would be put onto him if he were to have to uh, play right away, which I think he's going to have to as things stand right now. So unless uh, multiple players step up, but I think that, you know, Staquan Clark, Jamari Johnson are the two Flyville 23 recruits that are going to see the most immediate playing time as true freshmen. But let's go player by player. We'll start with the offense. We'll do that here in just a second after we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, the uh, number one sportsbook in America. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. The betting um, you know, opportunities for Super Bowl 57, including the no-sweat no first bet, is absolutely fantastic. It's on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So do yourself a favor. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Hey, Cardinal fans, thanks again for making Locked On Louisville your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, 
available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All righty, moving on into the second segment of the show. We talked about the players that are in line for the most immediate playing time. Let's go player by player, prospect by prospect. We'll start out with the offensive side of the ball, talking about what the possible expectations might be for each prospect in the Flyville 23 class. Note that if you know a certain expectation I uh, declare is um, you know higher or lower than what you're thinking, that doesn't necessarily reflect how good of a prospect that I think they are. What it does reflect is context. What playing time is going to be available? Um, are they a developmental prospect? Are they, you know, immediately ready to perform and to produce? There, there's a lot of factors that go into the mix. But l- let's start out offensive side of the football. Obviously, 15 players overall. Offensive side, uh, offensive lineman Madden Sanker, offensive lineman uh, Joe Crocker, um, Luke Burgess. You have quarterback Pierce Clarkson. Um, wide receivers William Fowles and Kataris Hicks, tight end Jamari Johnson, wide receiver Jalil McClain, and running back Kiwan Brown. So we'll start out. Uh, we'll start out with Jamari Johnson since we already talked about uh, Jamari on the first segment. Um, Jamari Johnson, I think um, you're going to see him compete for a starting level snaps right away. If not, you know, a starter, he's going to be a guy that is immediately in the rotation. I think that, um, you know, player that's going to be utilized extremely, um, often in the rushing department, uh, as a blocker on the outside with his size, but also as a, a secondary or tertiary, uh, receiving option. You have a lot of wide receivers in the mix. So at this point in time, it's kind of hard to say what those numbers could look like, but I definitely think he's going to be a focal point uh, at the top, excuse me, at the tight end position this season. Um, wide receiver wise, three recruits, William Fowles, Kataris Hicks, and Jalil McClain. I think that uh, William Fowles, the four-star prospect from Miami, is the uh, the main one of the three that could be aligned for some playing time with the additions of Jamari Thrash, Kevin Coleman Jr., Jaden Thompson, Jimmy Calloway, um, so on and so forth. Amari Huggins, Bruce coming back, um, you know, so on and so forth. Chris Bell, Chance Morrill. There's a lot of players that are competing for a limited amount of targets. So I think that William Fowles um, is a player that could catch a lot of people by storm and is a player that could uh, be a guy that, um, you know, is in the two deep at one point in the season. But at this point, I think that he is the main one of the three that is going to be in line for some possible playing time. I think Kataris Hicks, Jula McClain, uh, both smaller slot receivers, um, you know, McLean used a little bit more outside than Hicks, but I, I think that both of those guys are probably uh, possible redshirt candidates. Um, nothing wrong there. It's just the amount of, um, you know, playmakers in the wide receiving room already. Jeff Bromley Company did a great job of um, addressing the wide receiver depth and the starting wide receiver positions in the transfer portal. So um, I think that William Fowles, if any of the three are going to going to receive um, significant snaps in year one, it's probably going to be Fowles. Um, although I do think that um, you know Hicks and McLean are talented, I just think that you know slot receiver is the spot to where the Cardinals have a lot of um, you know. They have a lot of traffic in the depth chart. Uh, so I think that those two are probably redshirt candidates. Um, 
I think that William Fowles, you know, being six foot two, six foot three, is a guy that uh, possibly could be used outside. But although it, it'll it'll kind of just come down to uh, how things look uh, in spring ball, he is an early enrollee, so possibility. Offensive line: Madden, Luke Burgess, and Joe Crocker. Um, the tackle positions for Louisville seem to be right now um, like you have the starters going into the season. Michael Gonzalez on the left at the tackle position, possibly Renato Brown on the right. I could see Burgess and Crocker both competing for depth spots. Um, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's too early to tell whether or not these guys are redshirt candidates or not. Um, you know, a lot of Wolves offensive line outside of the center position, left tackle, and soon-to-be guard position with John Paul Flores. A lot of that is unproven depth. So we'll see how things uh, fit into the mix at the uh, left and right tackle positions, respectively. Um, so I think Crocker and Burgess, uh, ceiling and floor. I, I think floor obviously would be you know having a redshirt year. Ceiling I think is you're going to see you know one or maybe both of those guys in rotational opportunities. Um, you know depth pieces if the season goes along and um, you know there are some injuries, things of that nature. But ultimately, I think that you are seeing um, two prospects that are very solid. Um, but might just need a year to get into the depth chart. But who knows? They could definitely be guys that fit into the two deep right away. Uh, running back position, Kiwan Brown with the addition of Isaac Garendo from Wisconsin. Uh, Jawar Jordan coming back. You also have uh, Maurice Turner. Right now you have three running backs in the room. It makes you wonder whether or not Kiwan Brown is a um, you know, red shirt candidate. The, the thing to focus on here, obviously, is is that going to be uh, the case with um, you know with only four scholarship running backs? Um, Jawar Jordan's likely going to be the starter. Isaac Garendo could be the uh, the strength power back. Uh, Maurice Turner is definitely going to get some um, you know, significant workload as well. So I could see Kiwan Brown possibly being a, a guy that plays four games but doesn't burn that red shirt. Um, I could see him being a player that is utilized if injury is prevalent. Um, but unless there are injuries, unless guys are just underperforming, I, I think that Kiwan Brown could be a red shirt candidate, um, assuming that the Cardinals running backs stay healthy. But if they don't, obviously I think Kiwan Brown could be uh, put into a position where he has to produce right away. But I think that, um, you know, Kiwan Brown, very talented player from the Atlanta area, just behind some very, very solid running backs at Louisville right now. Uh, forgot to talk about Madden Sanker at the guard positions. Things are kind of hazy at the moment. John Paul Flores, probably one of the projected starters, the transfer from Virginia. A lot of people think Austin Collins is in line to start at uh, the other guard position. I think that Sanker is going to compete for that starting position right away, but at the end of the day, I think that he is going to be uh, a key rotational depth piece at the very least, so that's something to focus on. I think that he is a guy that is going to be relied upon a ton um, this season, whether that be special teams, whether that be a rotational guy. Um, obviously, uh, injuries happen in the trenches, so a player that's probably going to be utilized, um, maybe not necessarily right away, but I'd say by midseason, a guy that is seeing his name, you know, pop up a, a lot on the field. So 
Um, the other player is none other than Pierce Clarkson with Jack Plummer transferring in from California. Uh, Clarkson is probably going to be the backup. Um, I, I would say he wins the backup spot over Brock Doman. Um, so Jack Plummer going to be the starter. I, I would think that he is going to be the starter all season unless one of two things happen. Either either he underperforms or he gets injured. Uh, could be a Will Stein situation where when Will got hurt, Teddy came in and didn't look back. But Jack Plummer, a little bit more decorated than Will Stein at the collegiate level, knows Brom's system. So obviously being brought in as a grad transfer to start for one year, being the bridge quarterback for Pierce Clarkson. So I, I could see Clarkson playing, um, you know, in a couple of games, especially the blowouts, um, to maybe maintain that red shirt, but also uh, get some uh, some solid collegiate snaps as well. But um, I, I think that he is a guy that is just going to be waiting for his turn along with Keewan Brown, um, Joe Crocker, um, Madden Sanker, Katarus Hicks, Luke Burgess, um, William Fowles, and um, Jewel McClain. So... At this point, let's now transition over into the defensive side of the ball. Not as many as the offensive side, but still a good amount of players. Uh, before we do that, I want to say thank you all again for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder, I know that the um, the schedule is inconsistent and very inconvenient. I do apologize, but I'm, gonna do, I'm going to do my best to continue to churn out episodes at a, in a timely manner. So uh, just keep that in mind as we go throughout February. All right, heading into the final segment of the show. Now talking about the expectations for each Flyville 23 prospect on the defensive side of the football. There are a couple um, edge rusher Adonijah Green, linebacker Stanquan Clark, cornerback Aaron Williams, defensive lineman William Spencer, Micah Carter, and Sadiq Clements. So we talked about um, Stanquan Clark in the first segment. I think he's going to be a guy that if, for some reason, if Louisville goes out and goes and gets a couple linebackers or, you know, guys like Alderman and Cloyd or uh, Quinn, um, Hamilton, so on and so forth, they rise to the occasion to where Clark is not a starter. I think he's going to be a key depth piece. We're going to have to rely on him a ton this year um, in the middle of the Cardinals defense in the middle of that four-two-five base package defense. Um, so I think that Stanquan Clark, like I said, going to be probably in line for the most um, immediate playing time uh, for the Cardinals from the Flyville 23 um, you know, class, defensively speaking. Adonijah Green, the highest-ranked recruit, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, top 200 prospect, four-star defensive end slash edge rusher from the state of Georgia, a guy that I mentioned not many people are talking about enough as it – pertains to the highest ceiling at Louisville. He's a victim of a very crowded depth chart, but he's a very talented player. Kind of gives me Popeye Williams vibes. Very highly rated guy, but he's behind guys like Yasir Abdullah, Ashton Gelati, Yaya Diaby. Well, you look for Adonijah Green, and he's behind Ashton Gelati, Stephen Heron, um, you know, possibly Popeye Williams. So we'll see what... He, position he projects to if he's going to be more of an outside linebacker or if he's going to be used as a traditional um you know defensive end so um i think that he's a guy that i i think floor and ceiling 
ceiling is he's starting level caliber player. Um, and then the four is, I think that he is a rotational piece, a guy that, um, you know, could be in, in the line for a Popeye Williams level of uh, production to where it's, uh, you know, year one, not much, but going into year twos where you really look, really look at things and think, okay, this could be a possible breakout level player. So I think it's just a matter of buying time. If you are at an green, but it, very talented prospect, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was able to crack into the two deep. Um, moving right on along, cornerback Aaron Williams. This is a very interesting situation. Uh, top 200 prospect from St. John Bosco down in California. Uh, suffered a torn ACL in his senior season, played on it, and um, was able to play at a high level, which is wild, but um as my understanding goes you know having surgery going to have to recover i'm not sure what his availability is going to be like in the fall you would have to assume that uh if he's going to be ready for the season it's that he's going to be cleared uh in fall camp so he'll have to revamp up to uh, football level play so i don't necessarily know how much he's going to perform this season it could be a redshirt season for aaron williams but um you know who knows maybe recovery is not that um that long, if he's having to play on it, then again, I, I'm just not sure. So at the end of the day, we'll see how that goes. But I think Aaron Williams is going to be a guy that if he does play, it's going to be at the end of the season. Um, and at that point, you'll have to wonder, is it worth burning that medical red shirt or burning that red shirt? So uh, a question and bridge that we'll have to cross when we get there. The three de- defensive line prospects, William Spencer, Micah Carter, and Sadiq Clemens, all inside of the top 700. Micah Carter and William Spencer, Wu Spencer, as he's known, um, in the 24-7 sports uh, rankings currently all are outside of the top 500. Carter and uh, Spencer, both from the Louisville area, uh, just within 10 spots of the top 500. I think all three of these prospects on the interior, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not that they are utilized as nose tackles uh true defensive tackles on the interior or if they go to the outside as defensive ends i think that that's going to be the thing that clarifies um what the um, opportunity is going to be like there i think that there's more opportunity on the interior despite you know i think that jermaine lillay's back i need to get some clarification on that i'm just really not sure uh but des tell is back jared dawson um so there's more opportunity in the interior of the defensive line uh, interior i think that all three are players uh, with solid physical tools um they have a, a lot of talent uh, but all three uh are going to need to continue to develop um so i think that uh, at the very best i think that they're rotational players um you know possible redshirt candidates really just kind of depending on if jeff and company um add to the line via the portal or if they go with what they have now, like I said, they have multiple spots still left um, in terms of scholarships open. So I think that this is a interesting, um, you know, debate because it's it's kind of an interesting defensive line department. Uh, we don't really know how the interior is going to look. So um, I think that all three of these players uh, have a very very solid future. All three from the state of Kentucky. I think that um, you know if, if there's going to be one that's going to see uh, the opportunity to play right away, it's probably Wu Spencer and then probably Micah Carter. Um, I think that City Clemens is probably the the top option of the three to be a redshirt candidate, but I think all three could possibly be redshirt candidates. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think that if the ceiling is met, I think that their um, best case scenario is that they're all three um, you know, solid 
rotational pieces, but that is still yet to be seen. So uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here very soon.